Welcome to The Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers Tribute Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Lee James of rickleejames.com, and I run the Twitter account, at Mr. Rogers Say. As we again walk into this podcast neighborhood, I want you to know that no matter where you are from, you are welcome here. I'm glad to be your neighbor. Every daughter, every son, every tribe, and every tongue In the spirit of Fred Rogers and the life of welcome that he lived, welcome to the neighborhood. Well, today in the neighborhood, I'm so glad to be able to welcome back, after what feels like a very long time, uh, my friend David Dalt. Uh, It's so good, David, to have you back today on this uh, special episode of Welcome to the Neighborhood. So welcome back to the neighborhood today. Rick, it is a delight to be with you, and I have always loved the chance to come and talk to you on the show and to visit with our many neighbors who listen, and it's just very, very good to be with you today. Well, uh, I am so thrilled, and this is actually a breath of fresh air for me because I always feel encouraged when we have a chance to chat, and honestly, this podcast has been so sporadic, and I haven't been able to keep up with it regularly the way that I would want to. It's been over a year now since I had planned on doing like a a real season two uh, with you and I together kind of doing a scripted documentary style thing like we did in the first season, and life has just happened, challenges have happened along the way, and uh, who knew we would be uh, end up where we are today in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Um, other life challenges would come along. Um, I actually am enrolled at the school where you teach at now <laughs> in uh, Chicago, Illinois at Loyola Institute of Pastoral Studies. Um, I'm not living in Chicago, uh, just to let our listeners know. I'm still living in Ohio, but I'm, I'm doing the classes from a distance. And, uh, and this semester has been pretty challenging. And so just to, to catch up a little bit, I thought it might be just a good and refreshing way today um, to get on here uh, and, first of all, let our listeners know kind of what's going on in our lives, because it's been a while since you and I posted a podcast together. And then after we kind of share what's going on in our lives, you and I both brought some of our favorite quotes from Fred Rogers that are speaking to us right now in our present moment that we both feel um, may actually be helpful. Uh, There's so much going on in our world and so many things that are difficult to deal with. And so the format that I think we're going to take on today after this uh, quick introduction of ourselves or maybe a reintroduction for for people that have been listening to us for a while um, will be that that we're going to try to respond uh, to some of these things that Fred Rogers has said uh, and in a way that maybe applies to us right now and some of the things we're going through in the present. So as we do that today, David, why don't you just catch us up a little bit on life? It's been a while since you were on this podcast. So so tell us a little bit about you and, and how you are and your family and just, just what's going on. So we have been very fortunate in that uh, we have been mostly healthy, although there are some asterisks behind that that I'll get to in a moment. Um, my children are now 12 and 10, and they are doing very well despite all circumstances. They have remained healthy throughout. Uh, I have been working on several projects uh, in 
listeners will know that I'm both, I, I sort of have a foot in two worlds. So I work as a podcaster. I produce my own shows and I produce shows for organizations like Commonweal and the Paulist Fathers. And I'm now working on a, a, a new podcast with a group called The Four, which is associated with Auburn Seminary. And it's it's for civil rights contemporary civil rights leaders, Otis Moss III, Michael Ray Matthews, uh, Jackie Lewis, and uh, Lisa Sharon Harper, who are really trying to speak to the present moment. It's been a delight to work on that show, but it's been a lot of effort to try and pull all those together because they've all got busy schedules and and you know and trying to do all that and then I've got a foot in the scholarly world and I've been finishing some book projects and launching some others that are all kind of moving through the pipeline so with all of that happening as we move from 2021 to 2022 uh, I had an experience of coming down with a severe chronic illness. Mm. I, I, I got a case of the shingles. <laughs> and, right. and if, if, if listeners don't know what that is, uh, don't Google it. Just trust me. It's painful. And it's, it's not the kind of thing where you get it and seven days later, you're better. It's been five weeks now and I'm still coming through the, the kind of, uh, journey of it. And one of the things that I've been really meditating on during that time, because it 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 has made me uh, weak, it has demanded that I ration my energy during the day, it has been incredibly painful at certain points, and one of the things that I've kept coming back to is a quote from Fred Rogers. Mm. And Fred Rogers said, it's really easy to fall into the trap of believing that what we do is more important than what we are. Of course, it's the opposite that's true. What we are ultimately determines what we do. And I, that first part of the quote especially has really been a balm to me mm. to remind myself that I am beloved not because I'm working on a book or because I'm doing everything to respond to every email or that I'm, I'm the most productive person you know, in my faculty. Instead, the the reminder is that I am beloved simply because I am myself. Yeah. And it's been, it's been really helpful on the days when I have had to decide, do I push forward with this project or do I go lay down? To be able to say to myself, I'm enough right now and I can go lay down, that's been very health-giving and helpful in the process. So that's my way of both catching up and kicking off the quotes because yeah. that's really been powerful and important for me. Yeah, no, that's a, a terrific quote, and that's a, a great way to do it, actually. So thank you for sharing, and I'm I'm sorry for uh, the health difficulties you've been facing. I, and I've I've heard shingles described, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard it described as something like chicken pox on the inside of your body, um, which is which sounds incredibly uncomfortable. So um, I'm sorry for what you've been going through with that. Well, thank you for that. And just to give a, a description, I don't think that that's a bad description. The way that I would describe it is imagine a major portion of your body being both numb and on fire at the same Ooh, time. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, so I, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. And if you have the opportunity to get the vaccine, please get the vaccine. Yeah. But Rick, you've been telling us a little bit about your work in uh, IPS, and mm -hmm. this is a difficult semester for you, and I'm sorry about that. I, I want to support you any way that I can, but I'm also wondering what sorts of quotations have been really speaking to you in this time. Uh, yeah, well, let me let me pull out the first one here, which I did not print them out. They're on my phone, so let me pull that up really quick. And here it is. Uh, this is the first one. I've been I've been thinking a lot about children lately, and and what 
um, the impact is going to be on children throughout this. I've also been thinking about just how amazing kids have been. The, the kids, it seems like to me, have been the real adults throughout this entire pandemic. Um, it seems like for the most part, at least where I have been, where I have been around, the children have not complained when they've had all the stuff thrown at them, whether it is online school or wearing masks or, you know, just the things that they've had to do and step up to do. Um, I'm not saying there haven't been some tears along the way or difficult days, but by comparison with the adults who have been incredibly, not childlike, but incredibly childish, let me say that, the children have been quite childlike and the adults have been quite childish. And so with that in mind, this first quote has come to my mind, um, just thinking about the way the things that we are doing as adults might be affecting children. So this is the first one that I want to share. Uh, he says, I think that a fear of the world has a lot to do with some children's difficulty in looking carefully and, sorry, looking and listening carefully. I'm thinking of those children who grow up amidst deprivation and in surroundings where so much of what there is to look at and listen to is painful and scary. A human being can take only so much frightening stimulation and then he or she is likely to shut off the desire to look at or listen to anything carefully. If a child is confronted with murder, rape, domestic violence, and other kinds of destructive aggression in daily life, it doesn't surprise me if that child turns off careful looking and listening. I even feel that this may be one of the most frequent causes of trouble for children who can't learn to read. Um, and especially when that last part came up, um, I don't have a, a preschool child in my house right now. My child, uh, my son just turned nine in January. So we're in a little bit of a different place um, because he, he already had been through preschool when the pandemic hit. He uh, had started uh, first grade and was just about into second grade whenever school had to shut down. You know? And so he did a little bit of second grade online and then he finished the, the ha last half of the year um, in person again. And then he's in third grade now and all of it's been back in person, but everything is in masks and it's, it's just a whole different kind of world. Um, so I was just thinking about, you know, those things that Fred Rogers was talking about in that quote. And even with like, what, is, what does it mean for children who are that preschool age right now and what they're going through? And um, there's a lot of things that are being inflicted upon them uh, really upon all of us, there's a lot of loss that we have all been facing. Uh, but for children, um, especially, there is some that adults can shield them from, but there's some that adults are inflicting upon them too, I think. And, uh, and I think that we need to be very careful uh, to, as Fred Rogers would say, think of the children first, you know, <laughs> whenever we're talking about um, 
what we might be doing to them in the long term with our attitudes, with our actions, when we talk about loving our neighbors well, uh, when we show ourselves to be selfless or selfish and what it means to care for those who um, are infirm around us and what kind of attitudes we may be carrying. And so anyway, I, that, that quote just carries so much. It's kind of a lengthy quote. Um, but anyway, any, any thoughts on that? As, as I do have there? thoughts on that. As an educator, and I'm an educator now of adults, but I have at certain parts in my career been involved in the education of children. And so I that quotation really speaks to me on a number of levels. And the the impact of trauma on learning, Fred Rogers is not the only person to note this connection that trauma gets in the way of learning. Other educators like John Holt and Herbert Cole and Bell Hooks have all written about this as well. But he says it so clearly and eloquently there that, that even things that we take for granted like reading uh, can be interrupted by the life and the material conditions that surround a child. Mm. What really strikes me also about that quote is that we, we as a culture tend to build our institutions, like our churches, like our schools, around the idea of the normal case, the idea that everything is fine. And if anybody comes in saying it's not fine, that's seen as a disruption rather than something that is central to the activities of that. And that draws me to another quote from Fred Rogers. Love is not a state of perfect caring. It's an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. And I think about how the schools that I've been a part of would struggle sometimes to accept a student right where they are right now. The schools that I have been a part of, unfortunately, have oftentimes failed to love students because they have come in and they've been honest about trauma. And that's true for adult learners as well as for children. But I think especially for children, we need to rethink our institutions like our schools and mm -hmm. our and our churches in order to really think about a way to have people be able to be their honest selves. And I, I don't remember the quote, but Fred Rogers also says the greatest gift that you can give to another is your honest self. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we build classrooms so that the last thing that is welcomed there is an honest self. Mm -hmm. So those are my initial thoughts. I, I'd be interested either if you have another quote that you want to go to that builds off that or if, if you've got a response. Well, I, you know, I think I'm going to go to another quote because you're, you're, you're sharing fire today. It's good. <laughs> it's good stuff. And I think that you, you just can never go wrong when you're sharing quotes from Fred Rogers because he was so prolific in the things that he had to share. Um, and, and while we're talking about like education and meeting children where they are and even adults where they are, this is one that's meant a lot to me too. And I shared a video of, of Fred Rogers saying this recently again on on the at Mr. Rogers say Twitter account um, it's it's from one of the the neighborhood episodes where he just sits down at an easel and he starts to draw and um, and, it, and it's really a, a beautiful creative moment and and it's not that Fred Rogers is the greatest artist in the world or anything and that's not even the point and um, and that's what I want to share too about sort of the, the joy of creativity. And I'd even just read an article recently, speaking of education, um, about preschoolers and how much better they function when they are given a chance to play more than, um, more than just to like, to test, you know, or things like that, or to be lectured and how um, economically even like, like children that 
are of low economic, they tend to be sent to schools where they're just children are often forced to like sit on their hands and listen rather children who are put in academies you know that are that are they're paying more money to go in the children thrive more because they're given more opportunity to play and to do things like that so it kind of has to do with this quote uh so fred rogers if if you've seen the clip he's sitting in front of an easel and he's drawing and he's saying this while he's while he's making this art he says i think i'll just draw something here do you like to draw with crayons? And of course, he's talking to his television neighbor at this point. I do, but I'm not very good at it. But it doesn't matter. It's the fun of doing it that's important. And I really love that quote. And I think that that's something so important, whether it's education whether it's even just a hobby that we do, um, something that is life-giving. Um, I think sometimes we have drained all of the life out of our, our activities because we don't want to do it unless we're the very best at it <laughs> in some ways. Maybe that applies to there is such a culture of like sports and my kid has to be the best. So I've got to get him to every practice, you know, five times a week and, you know, he can't rest until he's done this and that. And it used to be, you know, at one time or another, kids would just play in the neighborhood. And, and I, I heard somebody say one time that you don't see children out with a bat and ball too much in the neighborhood anymore. They're too tired from all the practices they have to go to <laughs> to actually play. And um, and I think it's kind of in that spirit where Fred Rogers is talking about drawing. Like, it's not that he has to be the next Picasso or something. Um, it's the fact that he's sitting down to enjoy what he's doing. I think the same can be said with an instrument. You know, you don't have to play guitar like Jimi Hendrix to be having fun playing guitar and finding life from those activities. Um, we can think about maybe that with our kids too. And maybe at times it's okay to like let our child sit at the piano and even if they don't know what they're doing, let them play around with it you know, and say, you know, the the really important thing is that you're doing it and trying some new things. Um, my son has been enjoying just sitting at the piano and trying to play themes from uh, movies that he likes, whether it be Godzilla or Super Mario Brothers or something, you know, he'll, he'll try to play. He doesn't know what he's doing yet. And sometimes I want to walk over and go, no, you need to know, you need to play this note and do it that way. But he's having fun in just the the journey and the discovery of it on his own too and not to say there's not any place for like the actual technique and things like that but he's just at a point right now where he's just enjoying the discovery of it and and it's not the matter that he's the very best it's it's the journey that he's on to do it that i think that's important so anyway one of the things one of the things that i love so much about fred rogers is that he speaks to this again and again and again he says the best that you can do is oftentimes not going to be as good as you wish that you could do Mm -hmm. but you need to make do with what you have in that particular moment which is the flip side of so there's a moment where he's simply playing and enjoying and he doesn't feel like he has to do it the best Mm -hmm. but there are other times where and every listener i'm sure can relate to this there are times when that voice inside your head says I know how good you should do this Mm -hmm. and you're not performing to that standard and therefore this is a failure. And I, I try and encourage with my students that in any interaction that I have with them, I'm going to assume that they are doing the best that they can in that moment. And that's the standard that I'm expecting, not some arbitrary standard 
at which they are falling short. I'm really trying to incorporate in some ways that philosophy and logic of Fred Rogers of accepting people just as they are and the genius of who they are in that moment. But I'll tell you, everything in my institution, everything in my culture, everything in my training pushes me against that and tells mm -hmm. me that that's the wrong way and that I'm being too soft sometimes on my students. That's the voice that tells me in my head. <laughs> and I, I have had to fight against that voice because I really do think that that voice, that desire to to create an arbitrary version of somebody and hold them to that, that that's very damaging. And that's mm -hmm. true for adults, but I think that that's especially true <clears throat> for children. And the, the example that you gave is so brilliant because a child enjoying themselves, if you were to walk over there and say, no, this note, not that one, that whole dynamic would change. You'd see it change instantaneously. The mm -hmm. child's entire relationship to that moment, I don't want to say how your kid will act, but my, my experience with children is that they suddenly become self-conscious in a way mm -hmm. that they weren't before, and the play disappears, and it yeah. becomes something else. It becomes work. Yeah. You, and you're exactly right. And I've, I've had it both ways as a musician myself. I've had instructors that were so overbearing that I froze up and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And then I had instructors that just let me play and I got so much better, you know, and, and, and it made me want to be more disciplined and it made me want to work harder. And, and it was the way that they allowed me to find it was, was a really cool thing. So that's good stuff. Well, do you have another quote for us? Um, I've got I've got a few more, but uh, I didn't know how many you had had brought for us today. This well, is fun. I, I, I think I think for me, uh, another thing that really uh, rings out for me in Fred Rogers' quotes, um, and we've touched on it because of the trauma that we are seeing. The, the trauma was there before, and now we've had two going into three years of added trauma of social separation and not being able to participate in life the way that we had hoped that we would. And I, I keep coming back to this Fred Rogers quote, the kingdom of God is for the brokenhearted. Mm. And to be, to be brokenhearted doesn't mean that you're heartless. It means that you, you instead are feeling that gap between the wish and the reality, or that gap between uh, maybe a better way of saying it is the hope and the reality. I hoped for this, but instead it's this. And part of brokenheartedness and part of understanding that that's, I think, where the kingdom of God resides is that we so often tell ourselves the story that God only wants our perfection and not our brokenness. And that God is only going to be happy with us when we're finally fixed and that we're not going to be, we're not going to be accepted or loved when we're in the kind of shambles state that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. But again, as a person who is currently coming through uh, a long-term multi-week chronic illness, that can be a very deadly story to tell yourself. If you start telling yourself that you will not be loved and accepted by your family or by your employers or by anybody else, unless you're at peak performance, then, then, then it quickly follows the logic of that, that you are useless and therefore not, not to be, not to be uh, brought into company. You're not to be accepted. You're not to, but, but I think Fred Rogers is pushing against that. And I think Fred Rogers is pointing to a way of seeing Jesus Christ that points against that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul says that while we were yet sinners, Christ came to reconcile us 
to himself and to God. It's not when we were perfect and everything was good. We were loved even before we were we were fixed. We were loved when we were broken. And I think, I mean, there's a lot in that quotation about the kingdom of heaven being for the brokenhearted that yeah. just keeps me grounded more than anything else in these times. Yeah, it, it reminds me of, you know, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. You know, the another teaching of Jesus. So yeah, that's, that's, that's really good, David. I, I appreciate that so much and you sharing that. Um, man, there, there are so many that I, that I want to share. I, I may do a couple in a row here just because I feel like there's so much wisdom in them. There, there's one that I wanted to share. Um, we, I know that everybody is in a different place in this pandemic with like, some people have, have had the virus and it's been nothing for them. You know, they went through it and they hardly even knew they had it. And then for other people, um, it's it's been a terrible experience. Uh, other people, it's claimed their lives. I know I was just telling you in the last, I think it was over the last three weeks now, uh, just people connected with my church. We've lost at least five people um, with, to, to something related to the to the virus. And the, the thing that, that I think hurts my heart and probably hurts the hearts of families the most when you hear things like that um, is is when someone minimizes the pain that people are going through. For some reason, this particular virus, for various reasons, people always want to minimize it as, you know, well, that person had some other condition that caused it or that person was, you know, they, they don't want to for whatever reason, they always go to some other reason, as if that's going to make the loss any less, you know, as if, well, that person couldn't hack it. So that's, that's the only reason they died. You know, that's what it, that's what I'm sure it must feel like ringing in the ears of family members and friends who've, who've lost um, people that they love or, or people who have suffered and are carrying, um, you know, severe trauma in their bodies who have been recovering, but haven't quite recovered yet. Um, just today I came back from a, a funeral viewing from, from a person and tomorrow I'm going to go to a funeral for a lady who I was her kid's youth pastor and, um, you know, three, uh, you know, sh she's not going to see her, her grandbaby be born in just a few months. Um, and for the most part, it probably would have been preventable, you know, if, if it hadn't been, uh, I, I won't even go into all the reasons we know the reasons why. Uh, people are getting sick, really sick and dying right now. It's because of uh, them not getting vaccinated, you know, for the most part. And that was the case, I'm sure, in this instance. And it's heartbreaking. And I don't want to minimize that pain. And so the reason that I'm, the reason that I'm saying that long preface to this quote is I don't want to minimize any life. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, uh, a white person, black person, Hispanic person, um, you name it, American, uh, uh, Japanese, North Korean. Uh, this quote applies to every single person, healthy, infirm. Fred Rogers said, there is no person in this whole world who is a mistake, no matter how different that person may seem. And I think that's something that we need to, to keep in mind. All of us want to jump to a reason and an argument and I don't know it feels like we all want to jump into a fight about this virus all the time and it would do us good to be reminded that at the heart of all of this is there are people involved and they are not people who are mistakes 
and the the gentleman that the funeral I went to today he was nearly 90 years old and his son uh, it didn't matter that his dad was old uh, his son still misses his dad you know <laughs> it doesn't matter what the circumstance is um, that's a life that's precious that and it doesn't matter that person's like vaccination status that's a life that's precious it doesn't matter that what country that person is from that's a life that's precious and is not a mistake and um, and it doesn't matter if in where you from Ukraine or Russia or America or wherever that person's not a mistake and I just think I'm so grateful that Fred Rogers said things like that uh, to remind me of that um, because we so often uh, minimize other people's lives, especially in the online worlds that I think we often put ourselves into, especially in the age of social distancing. We can easily miss sight of the people behind the keyboard and the, on the other side of those phones. Um, and we need to remember that no person in this world is a mistake, no matter who they are. So, Well, Rick, I, I know that I speak for listeners when I say to you, I'm so sorry for those losses both for you personally, but also to the community of your church. And I think that you said it very well, that when these things happen, if we, if we start to make a person into a caricature and we forget the depth and the relationships that are there, we don't just harm them, we harm ourselves right. in that process as well. We lessen ourselves in that. And and that you know the 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 worth of every person that you you talked about in that quotation that's so important for us to remember and something that Fred Rogers was continuously pulling us back to. But I'm mindful that you said that there was a second quote you wanted to get to as well. What was that? Uh, finding constructive ways to express our anger, whether we're parents or children, is one of life's most important jobs. <laughs> and uh, I think that goes right along with it. Um, and, and grief brings a lot of anger too, I think, you know, we're, we're at a time where there's a lot of grief. I think maybe one of the hardest parts throughout all of this pandemic that we've had, and, and maybe even before that, because we've just been experiencing turmoil after turmoil. Um, there's been obviously political unrest for a number of years. Um, whenever, uh, George Floyd, um, was, was murdered, um, gosh, was it just last summer? I, it was, was it two summers ago? I can't even hardly remember the timeline, but we remember the, the explosion that happened of, of emotion. And it was like, everything just kind of came to a head at that time, uh, because people were hurting. And, and I don't know if we all understand that what we're feeling is loss. And I don't know if we can even put words to that necessarily that that what we are experiencing is loss and what hurts more than anything else is to go through incredible loss and for somebody to minimize that loss and say well it didn't matter or it didn't happen to me or I don't see it um, and I think there's a lot of that going on in our world and that can create a lot of anger um, and rightfully so I think I think I, I'm not going to actually say that you know, anger is, a, is actually a human emotion, so I'm not going to say you should not get angry. Um, what I think we should try to do, though, is, as Fred Rogers is teaching us here, find constructive ways of expressing our anger, uh, whether we're parents or children. And again, thinking of children in the midst of this, what are constructive ways that we can find to deal with anger um, as our children are watching us deal with it? You know, how, how do they look at us and go, wow, mom and dad's angry. Um, 
how are they going to see that it's okay for them to respond when they're angry? You know, um, do they respond by um, demeaning other people or do they respond by, you know, breaking a window? I mean, those are not probably good ways. I know Fred Rogers would say he would go to a keyboard and he would pound out his emotions, you know, when he, from the time he was a little kid. Um, but for other people, it, it may take on different forms. I mean, it, it may take uh, standing up and going and standing with people who have been marginalized. You know, it may may take standing on the on the front lines with them and saying, "I'm I'm just here to be with you and stand with you." Maybe that's a way to express anger in a, a nonviolent way. Um, I don't know that I have the answer for everyone and how to respond, but I do know it was important to Fred Rogers that we find ways to deal with anger that does not hurt us and does not hurt anyone else around us and that was the 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 most important way that we could do it well as he sang one time what do you do with the mad that you feel Mm -hmm. when you're so mad that you could shout and and i think that you're you're hitting on exactly the question and it draws me to another quotation from fred rogers where he says there is no normal life that is free of pain it's the very wrestling with our problems that can be the impetus for our growth. Mm. And, and Rick, what I think that you're describing is we have a lot of people right now who for very legitimate reasons are in pain, but they are refusing to grow. Mm. And they are refusing to allow themselves to be vulner- vulnerable enough to say, I'm in pain and I need to grow. What is this pain teaching me? And the interesting thing about pain is you can be enduring it yourself or you can be observing someone else enduring it. As you said, standing in solidarity with someone who has been pushed to the margins. And in both of those cases, if you're open to it, you can grow. Hmm. But what I see too often is people who will look at someone else's pain and see that as a confirmation that they don't need to grow at all. Hmm. And so I think that Fred Rogers was very wise to say, that when we're really thinking about human life, we're thinking about people who are struggling and that the struggle is not to be avoided, it's to be, it's to be grown with and grown through and that the real danger is when we stop growing and when we yeah. stop listening to the suffering in a way that can teach us. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying to people that everybody has to be Pollyanna about their pain. That's not what I mean here. But I mean instead that if you are able to actually recognize that your struggle is part of your humanness and that it is an invitation for you to become more human, then I think that that's a real wonderful outgrowth of pain. But so many of us right now are running from our humanness and running from our chances to grow as a way of trying to keep our appearances proper and neat mm-hmm. when when there's brokenness all around us, both in us and surrounding us. And yeah. we maybe the first step is just to be able to name that and to be mad about it but then to think very carefully be to think very carefully about what we do with that mad that we're feeling yeah that's so good that's so good well i only have a couple of more today i i don't know how many you brought with you but uh the next one i want to share is one that we've talked about on this show before the way that fred rogers had this amazing way of communicating with people through the television set where he could make it feel like uh, you were being listened to even though he was the one <laughs> that was communicating. I still don't know how he did it. Um, I, I would love to think that somehow people can experience that through a medium like a podcast in some ways. I feel like sometimes 
I almost feel that way when I'm listening in on good conversations, like almost like I'm engaging with it, even though I'm not there. Um, and I hope people can maybe experience some of that today. But if there is a quote that people could just listen to in a way that I think Fred Rogers would like people to receive it, um, he would always talk and he talked about talking to the television set, to the camera, as though he was talking to one person, to one child. Um, and that way it didn't feel overwhelming to him. And it was like when he would bring someone into his television home or into the land of make-believe, um, it was like there was just a visit from one neighbor and from one person. And that way he could focus on that one person. So this quote, for anyone listening right now, um, and chances are you might just be listening by yourself. I think that's usually the way podcasts are listened to. I don't think generally people listen to it in big groups. Maybe just hear this as, as clearly as you can to yourself in a way that I think Fred Rogers would like you to hear it from his heart to yours and maybe from, from our heart to yours as well today. If you could only sense how important you are to the lives of those you meet, how important you can be to the people you may never even dream of. There is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. And I think if we could allow that to permeate into our hearts a little bit, that, that we truly are important to those around us. Um, I think it's hard for some people to realize that. It's hard for me to realize it some days. Uh, and I know I have people who love me. So for those that maybe feel like you are you don't have a lot of worth, I hope that you can just hear that today and know that you are important to those that you meet and that there is something something important and something of value in you and you do leave that with every person that you come in contact with and whether you even realize that um, it's just part of the special way you were made it's who you are as the unique human being that you are um, so please just hear that today if you need to take the podcast back about two minutes or so however long it was and just hear it again uh, they aren't my words, but they're good words. And I think they're words that we can hear again and again and maybe listen to them until you start to believe them because I think they're true words and good words. Rick, I want to ask you, did Fred Rogers mean the big things that we do stay with people? Or was he meaning even the little things that sometimes happen in passing? Did he mean everything? I think he just meant everything. <laughs> I think he just meant who we are as people, that there's something about every encounter that we have. Um, and that's that may even seem hard to believe, but the more I think about it, the more I think it's true. Um, there are small encounters that we probably don't even think about each day. Um, but when we think about it, we can have a big effect on that person that's behind the cash register at Walgreens just by the way that we have either let them have a good experience or a bad experience and how 
<laughs> you know, did did we leave a bad impression or a good impression? You know, um, they may not even realize how much it affected them. But but I think even in some of those small ways, that may not be exactly what he was talking about. But I do think that is something. Sometimes not leaving a a bad mark is leaving a good mark. <laughs> you know? I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but in, in my mind, it sure does because it's it's the difference between boy you you really ruined that person's day or boy you you left their day as good as it can be. Um, I, I guess what I may be getting at is it's not always a good thing to change the world. <laughs> Sometimes when you change the world, it's a pandemic. <laughs> So a lot of us would say, I didn't want the world to change <laughs> that way. Um, we probably all would have said, you know, if we could go back to 2020 again, um, you know, if, if someone could have just left it the way it was and not had this virus come around, I would have been perfectly happy. I wouldn't have even known um, the way that it changed. So maybe in some ways we're kind of like that uh, in the way that if we're not causing a path of destruction in someone's life, maybe if we're not changing their world for the worse, Maybe we're making it better in some ways. So uh, does that make sense? It does. And even though it's not a quote from Fred Rogers, it dovetails very nicely with the, the creed that every physician takes when they become a doctor. The, the Hippocratic Oath, which begins with, first, do no harm. Hmm. And I really like that, I, that idea that maybe not leaving a bad mark is maybe the equivalent of leaving a good mark in a lot of situations. That... That's a truth I needed to hear today. That's mm. helpful to me. Oh, good. Well, I'm I'm glad. I'm I'm grateful that maybe something we've done is good for someone today. I I, I hope that's the case. Well, I only have one more quote. So, I if you have another one, we I definitely want to hear it. But if not, we might just go into a, the last part of the show today. I think Rick, uh, the listeners would be happy to just hear yours, and we can end on that. All right. Well, you know, I, I want to preface this one last time before I do this. I do want to make it clear to everyone listening, um, we are open to people of all faiths um, or even no faiths on this podcast. So I don't want you to think that we're trying to proselytize when you hear this show. Um, Fred Rogers was a Christian and, and he was an ordained minister, but he had a, a way about him that that was not his way in the world, um, he, he wanted to show you what it meant to love neighbors, and he wanted to show you what it meant to live out his Christian life. So the the couple of times that, that we on occasion will mention Christian things, I don't want anyone who's listening to feel like we're trying to exclude anyone from the conversation today. Um, but this last quote, I did want to make that preface because this quote uh, does deal with Jesus, and it's a Fred Rogers quote, and it, it was so much a part of who Fred Rogers was that you really can't remove it from the man. And I, I think as, uh, as both David and I are Christians, so as we approach it, we're trying to approach it in a very similar manner as Fred Rogers is. And so I hope that you'll hear it in, again, the spirit of Fred Rogers today and from the depth of love in our hearts that we're trying to share today. And I believe this is going to be our last quote. We may uh, respond to it a little bit. But this was his whole theology uh, kind of in a nutshell. Um, one of his seminary professors who had a really profound impact upon his life uh, was a man by the name of Dr. William Orr. 
and he time and time again would talk about the different ways that Dr. Orr influenced him and the ways that his teaching helped him, um, not only in life, but even in writing episodes of The Neighborhood and, and his approach to not preaching at people, but actually just showing them what it meant to live out the teachings of Jesus through the television set and just to be um, what it was that he was, you know. So this is uh, him paraphrasing his theology that he learned from Dr. William Orr, and I think it's a really beautiful uh, way of looking at people in our world as neighbors. He said this, Evil would want us to think the worst about who we are, so we would have that behind our eyes as we looked at our neighbor, and we would see the worst in our neighbor. Jesus would want us to see the best of who we are, so we would have that behind our eyes as we looked at our neighbor and we would see the best in him or her. You can be an accuser or an advocate. Evil would have you be an accuser in this life. Jesus would have you be an advocate for your neighbor. And there is a whole lot in that. <laughs> That's really good. But I think that very well sums up uh, the whole way that Fred Rogers tried to live his life. And I think we see it pretty clearly through his writings, through his television show, uh, through the way that he carried himself. And just to think that all these years later, in all of the books that have been written about him, the films that have been made... Um, if there were any skeletons in his closet, we already know about him because he told us about him. <laughs> you know, isn't that kind of refreshing? Um, he he just presented himself as who he was, and he said, "I'm not perfect. Nobody is, and and I'm just gonna show you who I am and try to be the best neighbor that I can be." Uh, and I find that to be very refreshing. And, and any thoughts on that before we end the show today, David? Yeah, I'm humbled. I have spent my life trying to study philosophy and theology because I'm a nerd and I'm drawn to those subjects and something that late in my life I have I have figured out again and again is that when a philosopher a philosopher or a theologian is doing their work oftentimes they can get lost in abstraction my favorite philosophers these days are the ones that are able to transcend that abstraction and to be able to see humanity and the, the, the furtherance of the care of humanity as the ultimate goal. So I think about people like Howard Thurman or Emmanuel Levinas, who wrote about the importance of seeing the other. And I realize it's taken me 20, 30 years of kind of going at these abstract thinkers to get to that point where Fred Rogers was just saying it every day. Hmm. And it astonishes me how clear he was at every point about the importance of the person across the table or across the wire from him. Hmm. And that's something that is, it just, it pulls me back like a center of gravity uh, in my teaching, in my life with my family, in my attempts when I'm frustrated at the, at the grocery store and I want to yell at somebody. I am drawn back by this gravity of, I must see this other person in in the delight and beauty that that God, however you're thinking of God, sees them, or the delight and beauty of their simple existence. They are the geniuses of themselves, and it's not for me to discount that. 
I'm, I'm really, I'm really just thinking a lot. And I will be thinking a lot this week about that quote that you just left us with. I'm very, very grateful for that. Hmm. And I am too. And I'm grateful that you had some time to join me today. I know that both of us have really demanding schedules right now, uh, but I, I needed the conversation today and I'm, I'm grateful that we were able to have it together. Uh, so thanks for spending some time with me. Maybe we can do this more in the future, something a little more informal like this and, and just share some Fred Rogers quotes and respond to it. And uh, we'll see how listeners uh, respond to what we did. I hope that everyone listening enjoyed it as much as we did but it's been good for me today. So, David, thanks for being one of my neighbors here online. Rick, it's always a pleasure, and thank you very much for inviting me. I've, I've really enjoyed the time. Well, uh, it, it is always a pleasure. I'm going to go ahead and go straight to the outro today, and, uh, and boy, what a, what a good experience that we have, have had together today on this show. Well, thank you for joining us here this week in the neighborhood. Music featured on the podcast today is Stay by me, Rick Lee James. Uh, I want to say again, special thanks to my guest, David Dalt. Always good to have you here on the show. And uh, I also want to say thank you to the at Mr. Rogers Say community on Twitter. It's always good to be able to interact with you there when I'm able. And as always, I'm your host, Rick Lee James. Uh, my personal Twitter account is at Rick Lee James, and my website is rickleejames.com. And I do have one other podcast, if you're interested, and that is called Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James Podcast. And I look forward to being with you again next time. But until then, remember, you make each day a special day. You know how? By just your being you. There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.